Hello everyone and welcome to Pucks on the Dasher, a hockey podcast. I'm your host Adam Glass and with me is actually nobody this week. Uh, it's just little old me here uh, attempting a solo podcast. Uh, but before we get to that, I guess people who listen to this podcast are kind of wondering what's happening uh, after an inconsistent release schedule in season four here. Uh, a guest host, a missed week. Um, I guess the easy, quick answer is um, Tyler is no longer going to be doing the podcast, at least on a weekly basis. Um, I'm hoping to get him on uh, in the next few weeks to kind of go over everything. It's nothing serious or anything like that. Uh, I guess the, and I'm not going to put any words in his mouth, but I think he's just kind of over it. Um, he just has other things he wants to do with his time, and that's fine. I kind of have been waiting for this day for a few years now, so... I kind of expected this to happen. Uh, so what does that mean about this podcast? I am not 100% sure right now. Uh, I'm going to try a solo show this week and see kind of how that goes, how it feels, um, how long I can do it for, if I even like it. Uh, I didn't want to necessarily stop doing the podcast. I have enjoyed doing it over the last four years, uh, especially weekly. Uh, we did take a long break over the summer and I definitely missed it. Um, it is a hockey podcast, so I'm not going to necessarily change it from that. Uh, if it continues, it will continue as a hockey podcast where we occasionally do sometimes talk about things we've watched or movies or whatever at the start. Uh, I do want to maintain the fantasy focus. Um, I've talked to a few people about potentially taking over for Tyler, um, but I don't know if that's going to happen right away. Um, so at the moment, uh, week to week... I will either be doing it by myself or I will get a guest host on or maybe do some interview segments again, uh, things like that that I've done in the past. Uh, and we'll just kind of see how that goes. Um, and if basically nobody's listening, then I'll probably stop doing it. Um, but if people seem to like at least the solo shows and are okay with me doing guests for a while until I figure something out long term, uh, then that's great. Um so, I guess on with the podcast. Uh, so, we didn't have a podcast last week. I will be getting into my fantasy hockey uh, weeks, how they went. Um, maybe not necessarily last week as much, um, but we'll get to that. Um, but before we get into all that, um, I did have the pleasure of going to see a little film called Wakanda Forever on the weekend. Um, and since Tyler is no longer, or at least not in this podcast, um, I can talk about Marvel stuff without him eye-rolling the whole time. Um, but I'm not going to, I'm trying to avoid spoilers here, um, but I don't know how to do that um, necessarily because I don't really watch trailers or anything because I feel like they do spoil too much. Uh, I tend as much as possible to like to go into movies without having seen anything about it other than knowing who's in it or the director, or etc., and that I want to see it. Um, so... I guess give yourself a few minutes, skip ahead if you want to watch this movie. I'm not going to get too in-depth on it, uh, just some general thoughts on it. Um, basically, great movie. Uh, it's very long, I will say that. Uh, it's almost three hours long. Um, and if you include your trailers and commercials and all, all that kind of stuff, it is basically three hours that you're going to be spending at the movie theater. Um, I will say it's one of the, probably the most well shot of all the Marvel films as from a cinematography perspective, there's probably some of the most gorgeous shots in really in a lot of films I've seen period. Ryan Coogler did an amazing job uh, on the film shooting it. 
Um, I don't know who the DOP was, and now I feel bad that I don't know that, but um, I would recommend seeing it. Um, they brought in uh, the villain is Namor, who's one of my favorite Marvel villains slash heroes. Um, he has existed forever as in the Marvel Universe, I believe pre-Marvel. Um, he existed as a character. They did a little bit of a spin on him for the movie, or I guess for the MCU. He is not from Atlantis, um, maybe because of the whole Aquaman thing. I don't know. Um, but it's fine. They kind of spin it into an old Mayan uh, culture that they're a part of. Uh, I, they, the character looks-wise is true to the comic with his costume and his little wings on his feet. Um, I, I thought the way he was acted was very, very good. Uh, I Honestly, very good movie. Um, there's obviously a bunch of loving tributes to Chadwick Bosman in there. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to potentially seeing another Black Panther movie down the road. Um, I don't know where they're going to go with it. There was another new hero introduced in the film, but I won't get into that. Um, but I like what they did with that. Um, overall, I would totally recommend seeing it, but it is very long. Um, and it is available in IMAX in certain places. Unfortunately, IMAX was just completely sold out over the weekend by the time I wanted to go see it. Um, so I didn't get to see it in IMAX, but if you have the chance, that seems like a movie you would definitely want to do that in. Okay, uh, moving on, um, because I'm not going to ramble for 15 minutes about my office rewatch and my change perspective on that show uh, after watching it for the second time uh okay fantasy weeks uh last week the week we did not have a podcast or a we i did not have a podcast i guess i'll say now um i went zero and three so i don't really want to talk about it um it was bad uh lost in all three of my pools um and overall things aren't really going that great in pool or fantasy right now um, but I will talk about last week's, and I guess I usually will stick to the usual order that we did this in. Uh, so in the big pool, uh, I pulled off a 7-3 victory. I am now in ninth place and 24-24 and 7, so essentially 500 because the 7 is ties. Um, and uh, let's see here, I am at... 24, 55 points, and 8th place is also at 55. So basically, I am tied for a playoff spot right now. And tops in my division, though, I am 22 points back of them. Uh, and I lost to them last week, so that was tough. Uh, okay, over to the points pool, which is a league that I am just going to ride it out this year. Um, because it has a consolation uh, tournament for the first overall pick for next year. Um, and, I mean, if you're going to miss the playoffs, uh, having a Connor Bedard in your lineup as a keeper is not a bad option, I guess. Um, I obviously would prefer to win, but that might change my trade deadline a bit, depending on where I'm sitting. Uh, and after last week, when I got beat uh, by an arch rival of mine, especially in this pool... Um, the Black Rhinos, Brody's team, um, he is 4-1 and one now uh, and leading the pool as usual. Um, hasn't won it that often, though, thankfully, I guess. Um, I am 2-3, and three, tied with uh, former podcast co-host Tyler, who is also 2-3, and three, uh, but he does have me in the overall points, so he is in 6, which is the final playoff spot. Um, and if it goes down to the final week where <laughs> me and Tyler... 
um, have to basically fight for the final playoff spot. I, it's going to be awkward when we both bench our lineups to rather miss. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, hopefully it doesn't end up that way. Uh, and then over in the auction pool, I pulled off, thankfully, a rematch victory, at least a cross pool, if you will, uh, over the Roaring Lions, who are in first place in the big pool. Uh, I pulled off a 5-4 categories victory over them in auction, and that leaves me in seventh place and second in my division. Uh, and I am only four points back of first, so that's not too bad. Uh, basically, if I would have a few more ties, I'd be there. Um, so I'm actually doing okay in auction, but I thought I had a pretty good draft this year. I kind of had a new strategy that I tried, and I think it worked out pretty well. Uh, Goaltending has been sketched, though. Uh, but thankfully, this is my last year of the Florida tandem. Uh, Cal Peterson was a terrible pick. Um, I was thinking about him as a potential long-term keeper, but I don't see it yet. So I might not keep any goalies, which mm, I don't know how I like that strategy, but we'll see how it goes because goalies go for crazy money at the auction, especially the really good ones. Um, but given in a categories league how crucial it is to have good stats on top of getting wins, uh, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. I might have to talk about, think about that in the off season, how I'm going to approach that. Um, that this is the weirdest pool that I've ever been in for picking keepers um, because you're signing guys to contracts and there are both limits the amount of contracts you can sign, the amount of years you can sign them for. Uh, you aren't able to re-sign anyone. You can obviously get them back in the draft the following year, but they will be at a different dollar value. Now it could be lower, it could be higher. Um, last year, or two years ago, I guess, uh, Rasmus Dahlin went for, I think, $11 or maybe, no, I think it was $9. And I decided not to sign him. Uh, and then this draft, he went for $2. Uh, and I managed to get him at $2. And now he is breaking out, and now I can lock that four-year deal on him. Um, and we're laughing. So that's good. Um, so... We are, or I am, still going to... Oh, that's going to be... It's going to take me a while to get used to that. Um, I'm sorry. Um, I don't say I a lot. Um, so that's going to be weird. Uh, I'm still going to do the Poo Poo Performer. And I'm still going to do the Super Duper Star of my week. Uh, I prefer to pick my Poo Poo Performers from a pool that I lost in. And since I only lost in points pool last week, that unfortunate Poo Poo Performer will be... A center right winger who put up a .93 fantasy points for the entire week with one assist and a minus five. Uh, did have 17 uh, shots, um, I guess. That's something. Uh, Mr. Tyler Sagan. Uh, this is the poo-poo performer of the week for me. And my super-duper star, I have him in two different pools. Um Great multi-cat guy, still chugging along here at whatever 482 years old he is on arguably the best line in hockey or the second best. Well, the best line that doesn't have McDavid on it, I'm sure. Uh, that's J Mr. Joe Pavelski, two goals, three assists, plus one, two power play points, six shots, and two hits. Uh, very impressive that uh, Joe Pavelski can constantly get like two or three goals on very minimal shots. Uh, and why is that? Because he basically doesn't leave the front of the net. Uh, so good for him for chugging along. And the Dallas Stars are actually looking pretty decent uh, with their new coach. And the team that that coach came from 
and I guess technically is coached now by a former Stars coach, is doing very, very well. Um, but unfortunately, I am not going to talk about how well the Bruins are doing on the ice since we missed last week. Uh, pretty terrible news story, awful news story. I'm not going to get into all of it. I'm not going to do a big, huge rant here. It's just not worth it. It's kind of been... In, in the way that news travels in current society, like this feels like it happened weeks ago almost at this point, um, which is, I don't, I don't know how to interpret that, honestly. I, I don't know what to say about that. Um, but the whole Mitchell Miller thing, um, the fact that I don't, as far as I know, maybe I should have checked into this a little more, but I feel like I'm usually pretty on the ball with at least big news like this. Nobody's lost their job over this yet. Um, and that's, that's not great to me. This is like, this got to the point where you had players basically saying that, no, this is awful. Like we're not like, how you have one of the most well-respected captains, hockey players, people in all of the NHL on your team. And he has only ever played for your team since he's 18 years old. He has won you a Stanley Cup. He's been one of the best players for your franchise, period. Like, in the history of your franchise, forward-wise, he is one of the best players you have ever had, especially for the length of time he's been there. And you didn't even just just ask him before all this? Just say, hey, just even send him a text. It's easy. Hey, Patrice, thinking about signing uh, Mitchell Miller, what are your thoughts? And he just sends back, the thumbs down emoji, and you move on. You move the fuck on. You don't even, you don't have to go through all this. This is, this isn't a can't miss prospect. This isn't a guy that's going to, this guy might make the NHL. He might have made the NHL. Might, might. And what was he going to, like maybe a bottom six, four, like what are you doing? The risk, I can't understand what, I can't understand how multiple people were like, why are we doing, like what is happening? How did this get through so many channels that it got to the point where not only were they saying we're signing this guy, but they were going to bat for him. Like they were going to bat for this guy and saying, oh yeah, it's fine. No, he did all the work. No, it's great. Oh, he put his heart out on his boots and he's got, oh, he digged and he digged and he digged and he did all the work and he didn't do fucking any of it. He did nothing. He did the bare, not even the bare minimum. He looked at the bare minimum and thought, oh, I can move that line lower and I'll be fine. Nobody will care. And the Bruins thought the same thing. They thought, oh, we'll just, you know, bury it, it'll move on, nobody cares, whatever, hockey, blah, blah, blah. It didn't happen, thankfully. But it got to the point where you're having your players having basically be like, this is awful, this is dumb, I don't want this guy here, this is not what our culture is. That's one question, one text message, one text. Any of those guys, you probably have a group text with all these guys. Hey, thinking about this, and I'm not saying you have to do that with every single player personnel decision, but this is a totally different thing, especially in the current climate with everything that's happening. Like, come on. This is crazy. And the fact that nobody's lost their job over this yet, and Cam Neely's sitting there wearing the hot dog suit after he drove through the window being like, uh, you know, who did this? Uh, who are we blaming on it? Like, come on. We're all trying to find out who did this? Come on. Like, if anything, that's the guy. To me, personally, that's the guy that needs to step down. Like, you need to step down and say, hey, look, I screwed up here. I'm sorry. It happened. But, like, I'm going to take the fall for this. We shouldn't have done this, and it's my fault, and blah, blah, blah. But he's not going to do that. Because the guy that's making this decision thinks he's above everyone. So, it's terrible. Like, I don't even like the Bruins. I'm a freaking Leafs fan. And this is awful. 
That's terrible. They, like, they, and then you get the victim having to go through all this again and defend himself and, and now getting it. Uh, oh, it's just so awful. All right, we're moving on. Moving on to something that's part awful and part heartwarming, I guess we'll call it. Um, so on, well, recently, I guess you could say, uh, a certain Leafs legend, Borg Salming. I always say, so when I was younger, I always thought it was Boreas. Boreas Salming? Is that just the way it's, maybe I was pronouncing it wrong? Or I don't know. But nobody's here to correct me right now. So maybe I'll just go with Bor. But it's Boreas Salming. So Borea, maybe? Borea Salming? Oh, people are screaming right now. Okay, this is ruining it. Um, so basically, he was diagnosed with ALS. Uh, it got to the point where he is no longer able to speak, which is awful. Um, but he was thankfully approved to fly over to Toronto from Sweden to attend both the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame ceremony, where notably Daniel and Henrik Sedin will be inducted. Um, and he also was going to be honored, obviously, by, because they do all this stuff in Toronto at the Hall of Fame game. He was honored by the fans on Friday night, um, with Sittler there to raise his arm for him, which was pretty great. And then on Saturday, uh, the Leafs basically rolled out the red carpet for the whole family and honored him uh, one last time, unfortunately, you could say. Um, and it was amazing. It was honestly, I don't have any love for him as a player. He obviously was way before, like not way before my time, I guess. Technically, if I was still watching, if I started watching the Leafs when I was six, then I guess I could have seen his last season. Um, but I knew of him, obviously. He was always, old Leaf fans would always tell me about how good he was. Um, unfortunately, obviously never won a cup or even made a final or anything like that, but was nominated for the Norris Trophy multiple times, uh, always in the top five, um, and one of the leading, well, I think he is the leading point getter for all time for the Leafs. Um, eventually that Morgan Riley may pass him, may, um, but definitely one of the best defensemen of his era, um, definitely up there with Orr. Um, it's not as good, obviously, that's a whole other ball game. but he was always talked about in that second tier, um, and it was really kind of cool to see uh, what I would generally say is a pretty milquetoast crowd in Toronto. Um, not only give him a standing ovation, but it lasted so long that it, it got to the point where it, it rose and fell multiple times as people realized it was still going. So that was really cool to see. Um, and he got to drop the puck. And then, um, honestly huge huge shout out to Sheldon Keefe um, he started an all Swedish line including the goalie um, so both defensemen uh, the forwards and the goalie were all Swedish uh, and he did that in honor of Mr. Salming so that was really cool to see and it sounded like all the players really loved that moment also um, okay so pour one out if you will he's still around but um, ALS is a terrible disease and I'm really glad that he was able to get that final send-off from from a crowd and from fans that truly did love him. Um, it's unfortunate it wasn't in Maple Leaf Gardens, but hey, it is what it is. So I do have a, a format for the podcast, if you will. Um, and the fun part is um, my new way of recording it, I don't necessarily know if I understand how long I'm going for. I don't think it's been that long yet. Um, should have checked about what time I started recording. That would have been helpful. But hey, here we are. Uh, I'm also only recording on one thing. 
um, usually in the past, we would not only be recording locally, but we would be recording over Skype. So that would give me a backup. So I'm constantly now checking to make sure that I'm not just talking for absolutely no reason to myself about hockey. Um, not that I don't do that in my head a lot, but saying it out loud seems to be a little bit weirder. Uh, though the longer I'm doing this on the podcast right now, it's getting um, a little more comfortable. So that's either good for you or bad for you. I don't know. I guess it depends on how this is going for you. So what am I going to talk about this week? Uh, there's lots. I missed a week. So there is lots of things to talk about as far as the hockey world goes. Uh, but I am going to basically call this week's podcast, Hey, What Happened? Nobody probably gets that reference. Um, if you do, hat tip. Um, that is from a fine film called A Mighty Wind. Uh, and a character, uh, I forget what the character's name is now, but it is done by the great Fred Willard, uh, who we lost recently. Uh, R.I.P. to a good one there. Uh, and it's one of the Christopher Guest films. Uh, I don't, if you're not familiar with that, uh, he basically has a series of films that he did with generally recurring cast. Uh, where essentially he just plots out what happens and they improv essentially what go like the lines, if you will, and sometimes what's happening. And it's one of my favorite series of films. Um, some of them are like tears of laughter come down my face because they can be both awkward and like the one thing about these films that I love the most is they can be sometimes uh, crass, if you will. They can be off the wall. They can be silly. They can be absolutely crazy. The, some of the characters are just just one of a kind. But at the end of the day, there's so much heart in his movies for some reason. Like you care, even though a lot of the characters are crass or insane or, you know, you don't under, you don't relate to them at all. But for some reason, there's just this heart that exists in all these films that you actually care about what happens to these characters, where their journeys are taking them, all those things. And a lot of that has to do with how amazing the actors are um, and how convincing everything is. But I would recommend any of their films, Best in Show, which is basically a film about a dog show um, and some of the people that are not only involved in it, but are, you know, commenting on it, um, things like that. Like the, there's a Best in Show segment and it's Eugene Levy and I forget the other host um no it's fred willard sorry and uh somebody else and i forget who it is i'm sorry and they do kind of like a commentary of the dogs during the live dog show and it is so <laughs> it's, it's definitely um, a big inspiration for a certain scene in in, in my film y2 cameron um was was this commentary that they they have in this because it's just so out of place for what's actually going on on screen uh and it's making me want to watch the film right now just thinking about it um, also waiting for Guffman's really good. Uh, and spinal tap is not really a Christopher guest film, but a lot of the recurring characters are in that. And that's kind of the first film where they were kind of trying this sort of way of kind of improving a really great film in and of itself. And it is the film that kind of got me into the other Christopher guest films. Uh, okay. So back to hockey. Wow. Hey, what happened? <laughs> there you go. Uh, also if you Google, Hey, what happened? You'll see the little YouTube clip, but it's out of context. It's, with weird um okay rookies rookies are a weird thing especially this year rookies have been kind of bizarre this year actually um i i feel like going into the season that a lot of people were expecting some big breakouts 
um, from rookies here. You know, there was Shane Wright. There was the Slavkovsky thing. You know, ended up being Slavkovsky going first. Shane Wright fell to the Kraken. Um, those were the only two guys that necessarily you thought would be playing in the NHL, and that wasn't necessarily the guys that you were expecting to be the big breakouts this year. It was kind of the guys that you got a taste of last year. Your, your Mason McTavishes, your um, Cole Sillinger, you know, Kent Johnson, uh, Holtz was hurt, but he was tearing up the AHL last year. Uh, Marco Rossi, unfortunately, had been hurt for a while, but he's been talked about in a big way forever. You expected at least some breakouts here, some big names, some guys leading their teams in scoring or at least carrying teams to better places than you expected or like, you know, some guy getting a late draft in fantasy and it paying off. And I, so we're going to go through, well, first of all, you know what? I'm going to be selfish about this. I made certain bets in fantasy this year. I don't, I try to avoid the whole rookie thing. Now I went so hard into the crazy deep prospect pool for years in that big pool and it never paid off. And I would always trade guys before they broke out or pick the wrong guys or all that stuff. And it was just voodoo. And I eventually like wised up and I was like, no, this is not, this is not what you do. But I like to make late round flyer picks in that pool of younger guys, especially in my current keeper where I'm basically trying to go for it every year. Um, other years, if I'm getting to a point where I'm trying to rebuild, then that's a different story Then I might be grabbing some of those younger guys earlier because I have the capital and I want to try to build up a big base, um, essentially what Bob is doing in the big pool right now where he's basically said, well, I'm just going to grab every rookie in every position and just stack them all on my team, see how the season goes, and then just keep the ones that I think are worth it. I mean, it's better than some of the strategies that people have used in that pool. Like, I'm just going to be in it. <laughs> like, I kind of respect the game there. At least I can see a direction uh, when looking at his team. I mean, that's at least something. But some of the guys I made bets on this year, actually, there's no rookie I argue would I made a bet on this year that's paid off at all. Um, even some of the second year guys, because I forgot to write that one name down here. Um, one of them was Evan Bouchard. I don't know why I thought this was going to, he had a good second half last year, was basically a point for game down the stretch, um, but it's not working out at all this year. Um, he's still on PP2. He is playing shorthanded, but he's putting up next to nothing for points. Uh, I have him in a league in the points pool where I have to, can't really roster guys like that, just like cat guys or potential. Hey, he might get a shorty once every two weeks or so. I got, so he's really on my tweener. Um, my goalies in general in that pool were just, I mean, Morgan Riley's not been great to start the season. He's my keeper and it's just been kind of rolling downhill from there. Um, I, the only good bet I did grab Miro Heskinen um, and he's having his breakout season it looks like finally so that um actually is something that i have on that roster but back to the rookies um one of the guys i grabbed late i think i grabbed him with, with my last pick or one of my last picks in the points pool was cole cylinder dropped him already no can't do it i mean columbus overall is just yeah i mean yeah no that's not great warenski's out for the season line a just went down again for like three to four weeks like I don't know what I don't know what we can do with that guy now. He's hurt all the time. Like he's had what one decent season, basically two at most. Like, is he just gonna have like two really blip seasons in his like late twenties that are just gonna come out of nowhere when 
Brody grabs him in fantasy in the last round when nobody cares about him anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, yeah, Columbus isn't good. Okay, Cole Sillinger out of the way. Who else we got here? Well, actually, sticking with Columbus, Kent Johnson, uh, he's actually been okay. Uh, I have him in the auction pool. I got him for a dollar. He's at least been rosterable so far. And in that pool, having a guy who even in a year or two from now can at least be a 50-ish to more point forward on some power play time, then that's worth keeping for a dollar. Um, you're Because in that pool, you aren't always necessarily looking for the best players at the highest value. Sometimes you want some depth guys that are just cheap and hypothetically you want to try to sign a guy for less than you would be able to get him for at the draft next year, the next year. That's kind of what I would be looking at, not to give away, I guess, too many, you know, auction, uh, auction. Oh, what's the word? Oh no. See, when you're doing a podcast by yourself, you, you have to find all the words right away. Um, auction tips. There we go. It came in. You just got to fill in that dead air. See, I can't, I don't have Tyler here, so I can just kind of, you know, take a few seconds it's just me um so it's just me so if you do take a dead air um, i'm probably i'm gonna try and avoid to put a bunch of edits in here or at least do any at all um, but if you ever do hear the music come in that's probably just me i don't know to because my brain broke or i needed to get a drink or i got a phone who knows um who knows okay tangent again uh and tyler's rolling his eyes listening to this uh if he is uh, Marco Rossi, another guy I made a bet on an auction dollar, had to do it. <sighs> They've scratched him. He's getting no ice time. He's putting up no shots when he, he's basically putting up maybe one shot a game when he plays. Like I get it. Like he's been hasn't even really played hockey in the last two years, if you will, on any level. It makes sense that he's super rusty. Um, I don't necessarily know off the top of my head what his situation is. Can they send him to the AHL, what, how that works? Um, but I, this isn't working at all. Like, this is bad. This is a not great situation. Um, so they need to kind of figure that out. Because um, I don't think just having him play occasionally and being up with the team all year is great for him either. Like, if anything, this guy needs to play as much as possible. Um, as often as possible. So he needs the reps, if you will. So they need to figure that out. Um, I don't have it in front of me how many games he's played. Um, if he's burned the year, I don't think they care about that um, necessarily. Uh, but he needs to play. Uh, another guy that needs to play um, who isn't basically playing at all is Alexander Holtz. Uh, tore up the AHL last year. I think he was almost point per game. I had high expectations for him. Drafted him as kind of a late-round guy in the big pool. Um, just to see what would happen. Uh, I don't feel great about dropping him outright. I'm at a point where he hasn't played enough, so I feel like there's still a chance for him to get sent down again. Um, I just don't know what... To, I, I got like another week or two. Um, thankfully, I'm pulling off some wins here or there, so it's not really crushing me. But he's definitely... I got to make a decision on him. Uh, but I still believe in him 100%. Um, he's going to be a very good player, um, and we will be talking about the Devils um, a little bit after we go down this rookie rabbit hole here. Uh, another guy who is getting scratched and barely playing, that is Shane Wright. Um, did the whole parents flew in for the game or grandparents, I don't know what it necessarily was, and he got scratched, uh, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, the coach there isn't 
great anyways. Um, when your team's being propped up by the ghost of Martin Jones, that's probably not saying anything very good about the direction of your franchise currently. Uh, when your high-priced goalie is now on long-term IR. Um, but, I I mean, okay, so here's here's the Shane Wright deal. You can't send him to the AHL, which is where he needs to go, 100%. That's where he should be playing right now, so he can basically be playing against adults and in pro hockey, if you will, um, of some form. The problem is he has to go down to the O. So you have the decision. If you're not going to play him in the NHL, and I, I mean play him, like at the very least he's got to be on the third line, and he needs to be on power play too. If you're not going to do that with him, or play him shorthanded or something, like he needs to be on one special team, and he needs to be on the third line at least. If you're not going to at least give him 10 to 12 minutes, and I would say 12 to 14, but 10 to 12, let's say, just whatever. That doesn't seem great either, but send him to the like send him down there. Just let him tear it up. Like you're eventually going to get to a point where when he's not used to being scratched, this is the thing that I think some people don't take into account, especially with rookie play. Any really any NHLer, but rookies especially, especially highly touted rookies. These guys have always been probably good or one of the best players on any team they've ever played in. Maybe there was a time when they were younger where they weren't developed yet and it was slow coming. But since they were probably teenagers, they've always been one of, if not the best players on one of, if not the best teams they were able to get on. So if they get up to the best, they finally, they the dream is there. They did it. They got drafted. Boom, did it. Right already fell to draft. Okay. Uh... I know he's doing the whole mirroring or pay for it, whatever. To, okay, whatever. Get your brush shoulder off. Get off the mat. Do it. Whatever you got to do. But he's now up to the team. He made the team, quote unquote, out of camp. Not playing. Barely playing when he's on the ice. The confidence. Like, what are we doing here? This guy's never dealt with this before, ever. He doesn't know what it's like to not, to be like, oh, you're not playing tonight. What? What do you mean I'm not playing tonight? Well, you're not, like, whatever, like, I'm trying to think of off the top of my head, like, who's the worst player on, like, what do they got? Oh, man, it's Mason Gearston or whatever. Like, you you know, this guy's playing ahead of you. We need, we believe in him more. Like, we need him. On, he may, he helps us win tonight. You don't. Like, really? Like, this guy was a fourth overall pick. He's one of the leading scorers of his whole league last year. And you're going to sit him down and be like, yeah, we, you know, this guy's, that guy down there, you see that guy? He's making like 900K and he's happy to make that, happy to even be here. That guy's playing before you. And I get it. Like, you can't just play a guy to play a guy. But you can't also not play a guy like this. This isn't a guy, this isn't Dave Scatchard. You can't just like be like, hey, Dave, get out there, have fun, you know, do your eight minutes, hit a few guys, block a buck, come on. Okay, see ya. Thanks. Tap him on the back. Thanks, Dave. Can't do that with Shane Wright. You can't. You got to play him. He's good. He's a good player. Is he number one overall pick? I guess not. Somebody didn't think so. But he's still a good player. He's still probably going to be a good player for you. And you're just leaving him there. He's just rotting. He's just rotting. on. It's like he's, okay, okay. Let's not get, he's getting the plane rides. He's getting the food. He's getting the me, 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 you know, all that stuff. He's not going to get that if he gets sent down. But like if you sat the guy down, look, okay, let's just assume. Would you really assume that Shane Wright, if they sat him down and were like, hey, um, you can do this for the rest of the year, whatever's happening right now, occasionally play, blah, blah, blah. If there's an injury, hey, we might have ice time for you. You get to play a bunch of games in a row. Hey, you know, maybe it'll work out. But this is how it's going to go. Or we could send you down to the O 
and you could play 25 minutes a night, and you could score three goals a game, and you could tear it up, and you could have a chance to actually win something. <laughs> yes, I'm like, I don't think the Kraken are going to, like, are they going to make the playoffs? Who knows? But they're, this is not, what, what would Shane Wright do? What would we say? Oh, I want to stay here and enjoy the Jet. Like, I want to, you know, be with the team or whatever and play occasionally, let me know, and I'll, you know, get my reps in in the gym and I'll do the, all the whatever skills development if they have it there and all that stuff and woo-woo-woo, you know, do the video work and, like, really? I mean, if he makes that decision, then whatever. That If you think that's what's best for you, then you do it. But personally, I don't, I, personally, I think if you're a hockey player, I think you're made to play hockey. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't really know if any, like, if you're in a band, do you just, like, get to occasionally play sometimes when they're in concert? And then the rest of the time, you're just sitting on the bus being like, hey, man, am I going to get to? No, sorry. We don't, we don't need your rhythm tonight, buddy. We got, uh, you know, we just hired Joe, Joe, the, Joe, the fancy man from uh, Nashville here. And he's sitting in on with us tonight. You know, we're paying him next to nothing, but hey, you know, he works hard. So we're going to put him in the lineup. You, you, Mr. You know, guy from Juilliard or whatever. What a, what a guitar people like, what do you even say? Like, I don't even, did they do Julie? I don't know. I just threw Juilliard out there, but you just don't do that. It makes no sense. I don't get it. Play, play them or don't play them or send them down. Wow. That was a big, that was a big rant on, uh, playing Shane Wright, a guy that I really, I don't know. I mean, from a fan, you, you gotta be either on the lease or relevant fantasy wise, or I probably don't really care too much about you as a player, unfortunately. Um, and I don't necessarily see him fantasy relevant, at least for the next few years. Um, and long-term, I don't know. I mean, let's go to consider his long-term value. Let's look at the rookie scoring race, uh, to stay on the rookie train here. And the rookie scoring race, if Tyler was still on this podcast, I would look at him and I would say, Tyler, um, do you know who is leading currently in points by a rookie? which is how it's titled here on this lovely NBC Sports website. Why am I on this one? I don't know. I think I literally just Googled leading uh, NHL scorers rookie, and this is what came up first. So you can thank Google, I guess. Um, so there's a bunch of ties here. There's not much separation. We haven't played a ton of games yet. But the leading point getter, if you will, amongst rookies in the NHL right now Um. Okay, so I'm just, you know, we'll just do a little bit of, I guess, quote-unquote suspense here. So I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Mason McTavish. They are currently tied for seventh with seven points. That's pretty funny. So who else are they tied with? Well, he's tied with Dylan Gunther, Caden Gooley, Owen Power, and Jake Sanderson, all with seven points. So you have one, two, three defensemen and two forwards. Um, Caden Gooley being in this list is hilarious. Uh, Jake Sanderson, um, I didn't know he had seven points. Uh, Owen Powers on the board, so good for him. Uh, and below them, we have a bunch of tied for sixes. Uh, we have the aforementioned Kent Johnson. So there we go. A couple more points and he'd be in the top four. Uh, then we... <laughs> <laughs> oh man so Tampa Bay is just once again inventing depth players that are putting up points uh, Nick Purbix 
I don't even want to look up. He's probably like a first overall pick and I don't even know it. Uh, let's just click on the name here and see what NBC Sports will tell me about this guy. Will it even tell me when he was drafted? Uh, no, it won't. So that's useful. Oh, splits, game logs, news. Uh, nope. That's, huh, okay. Well, that's, don't, shouldn't use that site. That's not helpful. Not telling me anything. Anyways, Nick Perbix. Cool. Good job. Tampa Bay. Uh, the other guy is another guy, but I've at least heard this guy, Fabian Zetterland of the New Jersey Devils. Those guys are three guys tied for 12th because of all these ties. That's how it's stacking up. So let's go back up the list here. So three guys tied with eight points. Uh, we have Kalen Addison of the Minnesota Wild, Cole Perfetti of the Winnipeg Jets, and J.J. Paterka of the Buffalo Sabres. Mr. Paterka was a person that I chirped somebody for drafting in the big pool. Um, so shame on me, I guess, since he's tied for fourth in rookie scoring right now over anybody I drafted as a rookie. Oops. Um, okay, and then uh, let's, yeah, Perfetti is the probably the only one of only two people, eh, two people in, let's say, this top five or six names here that I would conceivably have thought would be up here, I guess you could say. Uh, some upside there, though, with bonus taking over, who knows what was going to happen with the offense. Uh, but he does have eight points, so good for him. Uh, Kalen Addison basically has taken over the Minnesota Wild power play and done a pretty decent job with it, uh, though that whole team is kind of in a weird spot right now. Uh, and Paterka's obviously just firing that puck and i think he's on pp2 but he might be on the top power play in buffalo i'm not sure i'd have to look into that uh okay and then we have two players tied for second here and one of them is shane pinto who has nine points and i believe that is uh eight goals one assist um or seven goals two assists i forget how it works uh so i'm sure that's sustainable um but he does have some upside there so maybe he's finally starting to break out a little bit uh, next up is the one guy who conceivably you could say people maybe would have expected to be up in this spot or even higher in rookie scoring. That is Matty Beneers of the Seattle Kraken, who has nine points uh, and is already looking like easily the best player on that team. Um, so good for the Kraken there grabbing this guy, um, which brings us back to the Shane Wright scenario where if Matty Beneers is going to be the points guy, Shane Wright's going to be the shutdown guy. Mm, upside, toughy. That's toughy for the upside department. This is the classic, uh, do you want Henrik Sedin or Ryan Kessler? Um, now, Ryan Kessler had some monster fantasy seasons, especially if your league counted points. Or points. <laughs> Pims. Um, and since most fantasy leagues don't, uh, maybe if hits and stuff like that, um, but Kessler did have an injury history, uh, though he probably played a rougher style than Shane Wright would play. Um, but I don't know why, but whenever I think 2C, he, him or Trocek are, for whatever reason, the first two guys that pop right into my brain uh, as your classic 2C, if you will. Uh, but leading rookie scoring from the Arizona Coyotes, uh, which depending on how the draft lottery goes, may also be the have a leading scorer next year, uh, Matthias Maselli. With 10 points. And I'm pretty sure that's 2-8 and eight or 1-9. and nine. Um, You know what? I think NBC Sports will actually be good enough. To, yeah, it's 1-9. and nine. Wow, look at that. We can actually do that. Uh, so he did play 23 games played last year. Um, but that was not over the limit for him to obviously not be considered as a rookie this year. 
uh, I forget how that all breaks down. It's like six, at least six games in like three, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, basically, Nick Robertson doesn't qualify as a rookie this year by like one game or something like that. I forget. It's some weird thing. Um, but basically, Mr. Maselli here is one goal, nine assists. And last year, uh, he had one goal and five assists. Um, he's a minus one this year, minus 10 last year. So that's good. Uh, last year, he had six points in 23 games this year, 10 points in 15. Uh, and I believe a large portion of those are power play. What? It's one power play point? I'm pretty sure it's, well, whatever. Who knows um, what's going on there. But I don't. I would be relatively confident in saying that he will not win the Calder Trophy this year um, or even finish. I would probably say I would be surprised if he even finishes in the top five uh, at the end of the year in rookie scoring. So maybe we'll have to touch base with this at the end of the year. Um, do you want me to talk about any other notable names on this list? Eh, I don't. I mean, Arbor Jackeye has got four points. I mean, sure. Um he worked at Costco last year. Did you hear that? Maybe you did. No? Everybody's kind of talking about it. I actually talked about him on the podcast last year um, because I actually, he played for the Kitchener Rangers and I saw him in two different games, I believe. Uh, and I can tell you that I always noticed him when he was on the ice and I thought to myself, I've never heard of this guy, but I think I'm going to. Uh, and that's basically what ended up happening. Uh, he is the talk of the Habs uh, amongst all the things that else. Yeah. Um, did you hear Martin St. Louis coaches there? And he they're the best offense that's ever existed. So good for them, I guess. Um, other rookies I want to talk about. Um, I, I'm going to actually look up this guy's uh, name here before I complete. You know what? I'm going to butcher it anyways, but... I'm going to actually, I should have had, I had everything else queued and I didn't have this queued. Uh, Yuso Parsonen. Now, why are we talking about this guy? Well, here's the thing. Uh, he's a seventh round pick. Why do we care about a seventh round pick? Well, maybe we don't, but we might because he was a Finnish kid drafted by the Nashville Predators. Um, that's important. But why is it maybe not important? The tough thing is it's Nashville. Okay, let's say he has, let's say he came into this rookie season and, oh, talked about one of the hottest rookies coming into the year, blah, 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 but he plays for Nashville? In the history of the Nashville Predators, can you think of one elite forward that they've developed? Elite. Forsberg's been okay. He's had touches, which is pretty funny because the only other player that, I would consider them having that would be considered elite other than maybe Paul Korea, I guess would be Peter Forsberg. <laughs> um, but Yuso Parsonen scored a goal the other day. And why did I care about it? Why did I care about a national rookie scoring a goal? And I think his first game, I'm not sure. Let's check this. Mr. Elite prospects. Do you have that? Oh, see, it's not loading as fast. Uh, last five games. Is that in the NHL? Has he? No, that can't be right. Let's scroll all the way down here. Yep. So he has nine points in 10 games with the Admirals. Uh, and he scored in his first game in the NHL. Uh, he had 32 points in 41 games with TPS last year in Finland and Liga. 
And then the year before, he had 42 and 55. He looks to be a bit of a playmaker here, definitely assist-heavy. Um, I know those don't jump off the charts as far as things go with Liga, but Liga is a professional league. <laughs> Um, that he's playing against men as like a 20 or 19 year old and putting up basically putting up any points in Liga at, at those ages is, is pretty impressive. Um, so this guy has a little bit of a sheen to him, if you will. And the reason I cared when he scored was because the goal was assisted by Mikhail Granlin and Philip Forsberg. That means that unlike Mr. Shane Wright to bring this all full circle, uh, he's actually getting an opportunity somewhere to see what he can do. Maybe they gave Shane right now. Okay, look, Mikhail Granlin, Philip Forsberg are not the best wingers in the entire NHL, but I would argue there's probably nobody on their Kraken better than those two. Definitely not Forsberg, maybe Granlin, or at least of the Granlin type, but still put in an opportunity to succeed. Maybe Shane Wright was. Maybe he wasn't. I depend, looking at the center ice situation in the Kraken, I would assume he wasn't unless there was an injury. You got to give him a chance. Give him a chance in the spot. Give him a chance in the spot. That's why the Kraken doing this whole half-in, half-out thing is not really working. Not really working. Vegas broke your brain. You got to be out, not in. That's definitely a market where you just put a team on the ice. They'll get your building in. It's fine. Just put the team out there. Because you only had to do one, you had to do one thing, and you did it without trying. But you just had to be shitty for one year. Just put a team out there for one year, get a high pick, boom, this is the guy, and just let him flop out there. Just let it go, figure it out. Here you go. Put some veterans around him, give him some space, let him do his thing, give him some power play time, do the Zegers thing, figure it out. But you got to be in or you got to be out. Can't be both places. But you know who's in right now? We're going to move on from the rookies. How am I going to do long? Am I going to do podcast by myself for it? I don't know. How long has it been? Well, since I last checked on my clock, it's been about half an hour. And I think that I'd probably done 10-ish minutes before that. I love doing this. And you can all see how long it's been, and I can't right now, which is hilarious. So this is funny for you, I guess. Um, so I'm going to do one more topic that I had on here. Take that to where I can take it, and then I'll probably shut her down for the night or for this episode, if you will. Because we need to talk about a wagon. We need to talk about a wagon that is flying down the road right now. An absolute wagon, wagon, wagon. And this is a wagon called the New Jersey Devils. The Devils! Ah, the Devils! That's ah. uh, Seinfeld. There you go. Just going to call out the references because it's way more cool if you do the reference and then you point out where it's from for everybody. That's really cool. That's a dad tip for everyone. You got to do the old reference and then also be like, oh, that's from this. And then that nobody knows you're old then. Um, so the devils are not old, actually. They're actually quite young. I'm not going to look it up. I don't have it in front of me. So let's just say they're one of the youngest teams in the NHL. We're just going to say it. I don't know if it's true. We're just going to say it. I don't think it is true. I think Columbus is actually one of the youngest teams. But um, And based on the fact that everybody's falling apart there, yeah, maybe that is true. Um, oh, also... Uh, it's probably too late now, but Renski went down. Grab that Jake Bean. Uh, and if you're really deep, 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 deep league, maybe grab Eurosec and throw him on NA. Who knows? Who knows? Putting up a point per game in the NHL. You know, if uh, power play points matter in fantasy, especially if plus minus doesn't as much, uh, but in most of them it does. Okay, Devils, back we go. So the start of the season, 
I'm pretty sure an episode or two, one or two of this season, I was basically on the fire Lindy Ralph. This is terrible. You can't do this to these team again. This team needs to take a step. It's not happening. What's going on with these goalies? It's not working. Bad. The fans started chanting. I think that's why I brought it up. Fans were chanting fire Lindy. They're not chanting that anymore. The Devils are an absolute wagon show. Wagon show. They're just mowing teams over. They're coming back. It doesn't even matter. The fans are now chanting, sorry, Lindy. They have made shirts that say, sorry, Lindy. Everything's changed. So why, though? What's happening here? Is it sustainable? What's going on? First up, Nico. Nico's found it. He's got there. Next level, Nico is here. This guy is a horse. He's always been good, but he's got that level now. He's found it. Um, and that's huge for the team because they also have another center called uh, Jack Hughes, who's apparently pretty good also. Uh, so that helps. You got one, two. You got the one, two. Uh, and I know somebody posted uh, a list. I don't even remember who it was. Uh, a list of basically the last handful, like 10 decade long or more of cup winners and the two centers, their top two centers. And you got to You got to go one, two. No team has won without a one, two. And that's maybe a lesson for what happened with Vegas. Like, they didn't have a one or a two. They just had guys. It was just a guy team. You know, so here's some guys that are, it's just Vibe City. Vibe City and Flurry, right? So they have their one, two. They got Heesher. They got Hughes. Like, this, this is it's looking pretty good in devil land right now. The fans are starting to get back into it. Um, they do have some fun fans there when they actually show up and they care about the team. Uh, and this isn't going to be the trap team. This is going to be a wagon team, which is what's happening right now. They're one of the highest scoring teams in hockey. Uh, let's go through this lineup and see what's happening here. So we have the renaissance of the tuna or the Tatar, if you will. So top line, Tatar, he sure, and the aforementioned Fabian Zetterland, who has found a spot here. Uh, probably exactly where I would want <laughs> Alexander Holtz. This is basically what I wanted Alexander Holtz to be. Uh, is what's getting with Zetterland here. He's getting power play time. He's on the top line. I unfortunately don't know how many games this has been for, but uh, that's huge. Uh, and then on the second line, you have obviously the aforementioned Jack Hughes in the middle uh, and Jesper Bratt on the right, who basically, if you thought last year was an aberration with him, it is completely not true. He has been an absolute horse. He is point per game. He is driving play. He is everything for this team right now. Uh, he's going to be one of those like, oh, most underrated players in the NHL, brr, 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 guys, um, if he's not already. Uh, and on the left right now, they have Howla, who's, I mean, this seems like an ideal spot for him because uh, he can just do stuff, but he's not great defensively. And I know Hughes and Bratt probably aren't nine, you know, amazing defensively yet, but given the fact that your top line is Heischer, Tatar, and Zetterlin, that line's probably getting buried, I'm assuming. Uh, so your third line, you got Mercer, Sharon Govich, and Boakvist. What Boakvist has been up recently. I haven't seen him too much lately, but that's fine. Uh, and then the fourth line is the thing I actually really want to talk about, and that's Wood, McLeod, and Bashin. Uh, Michael McLeod, I believe, who was dished by the Washington Capitol, I think. I think he was drafted by the Caps, or was this the Devils original? Oh, oh no. The Devils have selected Michael McLeod with a 12-4 pick in the 2016 Dinitro Draft. I think I got him mixed up with Connor McMichael. That makes sense. Uh, sure, it does. So they basically have Miles Wood, who's back and healthy and shooting the lights out on the fourth line. 
uh, Michael McLeod, who is a rookie getting a chance on the fourth line, and it's actually working. And then Nathan Bastion on the right, uh, who's a guy that bangs around and does his thing. And so they got some depth to the lineup now. You got a shooter, you got a center, and you got a puck digger. That's what you want. There's some. That's a great forward group uh, with a lot of room to grow because you don't maybe have many olds. I can't remember where that Tartar contract is, but and then the defense. And this is the difference here. I mm, I didn't realize this one goes. That makes sense. Okay, very good top four. Let's say you have Dougie Hamilton coming back, uh, Renaissance season, if you will, back to form, just absolutely putting up the points, munching the ice, shutting things down. And then backed up by Mr. Jonas Siegenthaler, who recently signed a contract that Tyler hated, but like he's being holding it down on the top line with Hamilton, and that is great for their defense. Next up, you have Ryan Graves and John Marino, uh, who the <laughs> Devils traded away Ty Smith, who I believe is not even playing. He's probably in, I think he's in the AHL right now for the Penguins, like not playing. Marino's in the top floor right now and is based, I picked him up in the big pool. Because uh, he might not be on the power play, but he is putting up some peripheral categories and getting some points and pluses here. Uh, and pluses help, so you can kind of carry some guys that might be putting up power play points, but minuses, i.e. Arizona players. Even though he might not necessarily have great value, he does provide those evens and pluses to kind of even out the guys that are giving you a little bit more. But you got to kind of make up for those minuses. Uh, and then Ryan Graves is on the left side here who they got from the Avalanche in basically a contract dump. And then on the bottom pairing, you have Damon Severson, who is good, and Brendan Smith, who is playing defense again. Uh, so good for him. Um, but I wouldn't... I actually didn't realize that he was on this team. Um, but it's... I guess it's nice that he's still playing. Uh, okay, and the goalie situation, obviously... Okay, so we do have some hurt guys. Uh, Blackwood is obviously out. Uh, Andre Palat is out for a while, who was their big signing, which is why Zetterlin has the spot he has, which is exactly what I wanted to happen to hold, as I say again. Uh, Vanisek, who is currently day-to-day, um, but has obviously been very good this season uh, in a way that is frustrating if you didn't draft him in fantasy because as far as i'm concerned the new jersey devils goaltenders probably had next to no value and were late round picks for everyone it was just kind of like well i gotta take this guy because you gotta have a guy uh, and if you can hit on a goalie like that let me tell you that will definitely pay off in fantasy even if you're a bad team and you want to tank and you hit on a late round bad goalie who has a good season that's good draft capital for you to trade um for some picks or maybe a keeper or something like that uh is this devil's wagon sustainable well first check uh it's young guys breaking out so that's good that's what you want it's not you know a bunch of 30-ish late 20 guys having absolute heaters at the start of the year and it's carrying it or goalie going 950 or whatever uh, and the team getting buried it's it's not that it's it's a little bit more sustainable than that I'm not going to go into the whole advanced stat thing because I honestly completely I'm not necessarily familiar with them all uh, in a way but the one thing I did notice and one thing I usually like to look up because it's not necessarily a 
you know, exact reflection of what the team is or isn't. But I like to look for outliers at the very least in this certain, and that is the PDO. Um, and I basically, I, this is something I did text Tyler before the podcast. I didn't say it was for the podcast or anything, but I'm sure he assumed it would be. Um, that I thought, okay, if the Devils have this as a PDO, does it mean that? And he's like, maybe not. But in a way, the way he explained it to me, I'm just going to say that it kind of does mean this. But why I'm saying that is because the Devils basically have a PDO of one, which is essentially like nothing, like not nothing. Okay, not nothing. But that's just like at like the mean line, if you will. That's the mean. Like that basically means like everything's happening as it, well, okay, this is not how Tyler told me to explain it or define it, but this is how I'm going to define it, which basically means based on all your stats, you're essentially doing what you should be doing. You're not doing over, you know, you're not getting super lucky. You're not getting super unlucky, if you will. You're kind, everything's more or less hitting as it should. Tyler would like, or Tyler made the caveat that there are, you know, good teams can sometimes have a higher PDO just because they are good. So they generally will have a higher than average shooting percentage because they have more good players, et cetera. Or maybe their goaltender is better, so they have a higher PDO, you know, all that kind of stuff. But basically, the Devils being at one means that they're not super overperforming. They're not super unlucky. What they're doing right now is more or less what they kind of are, which is good for them. Uh, they probably, I guess I would say, are probably a playoff lock at this point or pretty close to it. Um, especially if they put up a few more weeks like this. But they are currently starting Akira Schmid, who did get his first win the other night coming on in relief, I believe, uh, which is, I guess, cool for him because uh, he was getting called up last year and getting absolutely caved in uh, by whatever that team was last year. Um, but it is, it's pretty impressive when, you know, your centers, well, he sure is taking that step. Hamilton is actually back. Your defense is back to normal, um, and your goaltending is in an absolute garbage fire like Blackwood has always been. Um, so good for the Devils. Um, I mm, see this is a problem without <laughs> without Tyler to stop me. I feel like I could just sit here and talk for hours, um, but I also don't want to do that. Um, but there was one more thing I think I'll just touch on here before I go, uh, and it's goalies. Goalies have been weird this year. Not necessarily weird as in, oh, look who's been good. It's more like, look who's been bad. Uh, and that's a lot of goalies have been not great. So I have two little things up in front of me here. And one is basically uh, advanced stats, which will show me goal saved above average. And then I also have good old save percentage. So let's use save percentage and then we'll see what goal saved above average says about that save percentage. How about we do it that way? Uh, so the worst save, nope, he only played one game. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're going to skip that guy. He only played one game. Uh, we'll skip a four gamer from Mr. Grubauer and we'll get up to Mr. Merzlikens, who is at a .863 uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, you could argue the Blue Jackets have been stinky poo-poo bad uh, this whole season. And that's definitely not wrong. They have been very stinky poo-poo bad all year. Uh, but where is Mr. Merzlikens on this list of, oh no, oh, oh, okay. 
So where is Elvis on the goal saved above average list? Maybe it's not just him. You know, maybe this is a team thing. Maybe he's putting up good numbers himself, but the team's just letting him down. So what is his goal saved above expected, average expected, whatever, uh, after eight games? It is minus 11.64 worse in the NHL. So nothing's going right there. He's been bad and the team's been bad, which is a double bad combination. Uh, but, so his 8, 861 is not great. And the next guy uh, who we're going to talk about is um, a guy who was signed to a multi-year, long-term, well, multi-year deal for, uh, I guess, big money for him. Uh, after 10 games played, Mr. Jack Campbell has an 873 save percentage. Let's kick over here to the uh, GSAA, and you'll see that right below Mr. Elvis is Jack Campbell with a minus 7.55 goals saved above average. Not good. Not good. Because uh, the next two guys are Connor Ingram and Yurislav Halak. Uh, Halak notably hasn't won yet this year, and Connor Ingram, uh, I think, only has one win. It's just getting buried in Arizona. Um, but I mean, Vasilevsky is minus three, uh, Saros is minus three, Fleury is minus two, like there's not, Blackwood's only a minus two, hey look at that, uh, Bob is a minus two, like okay, let's go the other way, just for fun, uh, oh and notably, uh, this is the other guy I wanted to talk about and he's only a minus <laughs> Minus 1.79 after 11 games, even though he's getting absolutely crushed, and that's Satcher Demko. Putting out some, like the fact that he is only barely under the goals saved above average, and he is getting absolutely peppered in Vancouver right now. Like, geez, good luck to you, buddy. It's going to be a tough year. Uh, okay, so who's leading then? Let's flip it over. Let's flip it over. What do we got here? Uh, we got Connor Hellebuck, no surprise there, 8, 8.88, goal saved above average, followed by Alexander Georgiev, but maybe that's a defense thing. Who knows? Who knows if a goalie that plays behind Kale McCarr in that Colorado defense, who knows if that has a, I'm sure it's the 953 he's putting up is all Georgie, that's for sure. Uh, next up in 10, okay, but this, I don't know what to even think about here. <laughs> 10 games, Carter Hart's got an 8.29, like that's. I mean, I know Torch shuts her down, but 8.29 is like, given where he was last year, even the year before that, whew, he must have been drafted by Brody. I don't know. Maybe somebody should look into that. Maybe he was drafted by Brody this year. They should let players, players must know. Uh, and then Stuart Skinner, big surprise. Thank God for him. Uh, 7.53 for the Oilers. Um, good thing they, they signed a, another guy to be their starter. That was a good idea. Good job, Ken Holland. You've done really great work over there in Edmonton. Uh, also, Vander Kane's wrist got sliced uh, by a skate. It looked gross. Blood squirted out. Um, he's out for a few months now. Three to four, it said. Um, don't want to make this about me, but I, maybe this is my karma for drafting him in two leagues this year. Who knows? Um, also, obviously, Linus Allmark, 6.29. Logan Thompson also having a great start to the season, 4.7. Uh, GSAA, uh, I mean, Elias Antonov, 3.77, got hurt though, Martin Jones, 3.7, holding down the fort in Seattle with Grubauer out, um, 
hey, Eric Schalgren is actually above. So 2.36. Never know. Never know. Igor's only at 2.12. Tough. Uh, and Craig Anderson uh, dominating Eric Comrie in stats right now after I dropped Craig Anderson and picked up Eric Comrie. That's how the cookie crumbles, everyone. Okay. That's some goalie talk. Talk some rookies. Talk some devils. Talk some fantasy hockey. We talked a whole bunch of stuff this week. And I think my first trial of doing a podcast by myself went okay. Went fine. I talked the whole time. There weren't huge pregnant pauses. Are we allowed to say that anymore? Pregnant pauses? Anyways, there weren't any extended pauses. Long pauses. Uh, So that'll be the podcast for this week. And at least I will talk to you next week. (laughs) 